We are so glad that you are joining us today. And we have been going through a, a, a series uh, this whole month of May called Living in the Moment of His Coming. So many people are living in the past. Many people are living for the future. Some people are just living for the moment. But I would like to communicate that you know, a Christian perspective is to live in the moment with a perspective, with a view of uh, expecting Christ's return. And this has been um, you know, beautifully exhorted by Apostle Paul in the le- his letters to the Thessalonian church. So we started last week. Uh, again, just a quick background to understand this letter. Uh, Thessalonica is a capital of Macedonia. This is northern Greece. Uh, so during this time, this is a Roman province. Uh, this is one of the major uh, centers, uh, commercial centers in the area. It's a strategic city. And I mentioned last week, it feels like, looks like a, a Makati, right? Uh, most of the church, because this is a Roman province, most of the people there in the church are non-Jewish. So they are Gentiles, they are Greeks. Uh, and the believers in Thessalonica, they experience persecution, as Sam uh, read in our passage. Uh, there's Roman emperor worship. So they worship the Roman emperor as a god. Uh, and that was very popular in the city. So uh, for monotheistic people like the Christians, uh, you know, they are viewed with suspicion. So uh, if you're a Christian, you are viewed uh, suspiciously by your neighbors if you're from there. Now, also, let me add uh, what Sam read to us, the, the letter of the Thessalonia, uh, to the Thessalonians was one of the earliest New Testament letters that was ever written, meaning uh, when this letter was written by Apostle Paul, there was no Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John yet. And and that that should uh, shape our understanding of their gospel preaching because when they preach the gospel, they're not using John 3.16, but they have the scripture, meaning the Old Testament, and they're preaching the gospel through the Old Testament. How amazing is that so? That's a uh, an, an indicator that you can uh, share the good news by just using uh, the 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 Old Testament scripture. So last week uh, we saw how Apostle Paul started this letter, you know, in 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 a good mood. Uh, he's praising this church. He's thanking the Lord for them. Uh, and even though uh, Apostle Paul is is raving about this church, as we also see here in our text. Uh, they are not perfect. Hindi sila perfect na simbahan. Particularly, they have issues regarding eschatology. So again, that's a big theological word, which simply means, you know, this is a simple definition. It just means a doctrine of the last days or the final judgment or the end times. So it's not just that they have uh, the wrong information about eschatology, uh, they just have this incomplete view of the return of Jesus, and that is influencing their actions, their decisions, the way they live their lives, uh, which we will see more and more in the coming weeks. But before Apostle Paul address these issues, pansin nyo again, hindi siya yung parang nag-aalala sa kanila. Hindi niya pinagagalitan yung church na to compared to Galatians or Corinthians or Philippians. He is laying the groundwork, uh, saying that, you know, the Christians, the believers in Thessalonica, they already have within them the means to help them understand eschatology, right? And to live in the moment of uh, 
Christ's return. So he's really not worried uh, about them. And he's basically saying, you know, you have it. You have what it takes. So ano yun? Ano yun, Pastor? Ano yung, ano yung sobrang confidence si Apostle Paul for this church? Well, the answer is the Word of God, the Gospel, or the Scripture. So basically, Paul is saying, if you remain true to the Scripture, it will help you live in the moment. You know, if that's the only thing you will take away from this, I can actually close the, our worship service in prayer. And that's it. If you remain true to the Scripture, it will help you live Uh, in the moment of his return. But just like Apostle Paul uh, to the Thessalonians, allow me to exhort you uh, to remain true to the scriptures. Specifically, uh, allow me to share three ways, three practical ways we can value the scripture today so that it will hold us firm from day to day as we wait for the return of our King. So three ways we can value the scripture as we wait for Christ's return. Number one, and this is very important, we must recover a high view of the scripture. Okay? We must recover a high view of the scripture. Look at verse 13. This is really you know, the transition of the text. Paul says to this uh, Thessalonian church, we also thank God constantly for this, for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, not anywhere else, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. You know, the next two things I will mention, uh, which I will share in a bit, really flows from this main thought that we need to have this kind of mindset, that, to have a high view of the scripture. You know, people in Thessalonica, they are very familiar with people uh, in, you know, in stages, in stadiums, in a pulpit to share their thoughts, their ideas, their philosophies. This is, by the way, you know, keep in mind, this is Greece. This is the birthplace of uh, Greek philosophies, which uh, we still use and understand even today. So, and there are a number of uh, temple worships and idol worships at that time. Uh, so people worship uh, the emperor, Roman emperor as a god. They have different gods in different sectors and different situations. So it's a common thing. It's a normal thing uh, that people are speaking about their religion, their ideologies, their philosophies. Some are political, some are religious, some are philosophical. So, uh, pwede kang mamili. So, pwede kang mamili during that time kung kanino ka magsasubscribe, kumbaga. So, pwede, pwede kang makinig kung kanino-kanino. But, here's the difference. When Apostle Paul preached the good news to these believers, to these Thessalonian church, they not, did not consider uh, Paul's message as just one of the options. They considered it as a message from the true and living God. That the message of Paul that he gave to them was a class of its own. It's not the same thing as what they see in temple worship, in the philosophers uh, during their time. This is totally different. You know that these new Gentile believers are receiving Paul's message the same way 
the Israelites received the commandment of God in Mount Sinai. It is from the voice of God and they receive it with fear and trembling because they are hearing the word of God. You know, perhaps the reason why this church is not a problematic church. This is really not a problematic church. Yes, they have issues with their uh, doctrine of eschatology, but they are not really a problematic church. Perhaps the reason why you know, they are not dealing with sexual immorality the same way with you know, uh, the Corinthian church. Uh, perhaps the reason why there's no division. There are no issues of false teaching uh, you know, creeping into the church is because they have a high view of the scripture. It was not set aside. It's the main thing. You know, sadly, this is what our 21st century uh, Protestant evangelical church culture has moved away from. And that's something that we need to recover. Uh, instead, uh, what happened, sadly, is you know, we become concerned with, uh, with the language of the culture. We have been obsessed with copying the culture so that we will be attractive to, to the people that we want to reach. That became the main thing. Also, despite the accessibility of the Bible, you have your uh, hard copy, soft copy Bibles, you have different translations, uh, the Bible has been relegated into something that it is really not. Uh, we only consult uh, the Bible during problems, sometimes treated like a horoscope, hoping that you know by reading it, you will see uh, you know, uh, an inspirational phrase or word that will make your day super blessed. Yes, we consider it essential. We consider it as good but only complementary to one's ideas, to one's opinions and experiences. You know, we might even claim, yes, I believe that the Bible is the word of God, yet we rely on our own opinions. It's very common for us to say, I know that the Bible says this, but I think blank. Or, yes, I see that the Bible speaks about this, but in my experience... You see what's happening there? Uh, what's happening is that we have a mixture of the source of truth in our life. And, you know, it's, it's a mixture of 20% uh, social media uh, quotes, 20% Hollywood, 20% personal experience, 20% influential people over our lives, 20% the Bible. Obviously, the, the percentages are, are made up, but uh, you see my point that, you know, we are mixing, you know, sources of truth that shapes our understanding of who God is and how we respond and how we view the world. Let me give a, a, a specific example. I don't know if you've read the book or seen the, the movie, The Shack. I, I did not. I haven't read the book or seen the movie, but I know, I know. It's not, it's inspirational, but it's not Christian. It's not Christian at all. So I was surprised when I saw a, a social media post of someone that recommends Christian movies. And one of the recommendations is The Shack. 
Uh, and and that for me is an indicator that you know we really have a mixture of of influences over our lives. Friends, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying uh, don't listen or to watch anything or be I know consume anything that's not ex- exclusively Christian. I'm not saying you know uh, r- get rid of uh, anything that is not uh, written in the Scripture. Don't don't watch Lord of the Rings or 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 chronicles of narnia because they are not scripture that's not what i'm saying uh, i believe that all truth is god's truth and we can hear the truth from uh from god uh, how it is applied in different ways what i'm saying is that god has revealed the truth to us that he has graciously revealed himself to us very specifically and clearly and he desires for us to know him through his word, through his word. So that must take precedence over any other voices uh, in our life. And so we must recover a high view of scripture in our churches. So what does this look like in our church planting project? And what I hope this looks like in, in our churches I hope that means, you know, we emphasize public reading of the scripture, just like what Sam did earlier. That proclamation of his word is the main thing in our gathering. That we sing songs that's faithful to God's word. We sing the word, we pray the word, we read the word, we preach the word. Again, friends, let's not ignore what God has instituted to be one of the primary means we experience his grace, and that is the private reading of the scripture and the public preaching of his word in the local church, right? So again, you know, a a reminder, please do not let digital media, because that's very accessible to us today, uh, do not let digital media uh, shape the way you view our God and and. And in our world. And that should not take uh, the place of uh, the local church that God has placed you in. You know, church is not a religious version of a TED talk, right? Where you get more wisdom and information, nor this is, uh, this is not a faith-based uh, coffee shop experience where we you know, where we hang out with people that we like and then we have a great time. What's the difference? What sets the church, the public reading of the scripture, the public proclamation of the gospel in, uh, in a church is that content that it's not made by human hands. And this is where, you know, we bow in humility and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. So, friends, if it is critical that we have a high view of the scripture, I think, you know, it's just right that we expect high standards to those who proclaim it, right? And this is our second point. Yes, we need to have a high view of the scripture. Second, we must expect a high standard from our preachers, you know, honestly, when I was studying this passage, uh, I, this is almost difficult to preach because it, it may sound uh, self-serving. It may sound self-serving to, 
to preach something about preachers. Uh, but there's a reason why Apostle Paul mentioned these things. Uh, and, and, and because we want to apply a high view of the scripture, this needs to be preached uh, faithfully. So uh, what are the standards? What are the standards of, of people who proclaim uh, the good news? You know, for, for us to, to remember, let me uh, just share four things, four uh, standards that we need to see from our uh, preachers. And so for us to, uh, to remember, Anusha, C, lahat C. Okay? What are the four C's? Number one, courage. Courage. Verse two of our passage. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of conflict. You know, because the gospel message is offensive to sinful hearts, the preacher must have the boldness to proclaim it. Because not, you know, not many people uh, will, will receive it as such. I think I mentioned this once, uh, that this pandemic uh, is really the most difficult time uh, to be a pastor. Uh, I remember many years ago, you know, to be a pastor is a, is a sought-after vocation for, for many young men. Those voices have been less and less, especially the past couple of years. Because this is the most difficult time uh, to, be the, to be a pastor. But this is, also, this is also the most exciting time to be a pastor. Because if there are fruits in, in the congregation, in the lives of uh, churchgoers and church members, you will see that it's not because the pastor was great or the pastor was capable or the, the pastor was very creative in uh, weaving through the new normal. It's purely because God was gracious to his life and his church. And we need that courage to carry on now more than ever. So number one, courage. Number two, conviction. Verse three and verse four. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. So friends, for preachers, there must be an internal confirmation that he is being called by God to proclaim the good news. How would you feel if someone who's proclaiming the good news to you will tell you, alam nyo, uh, napilitan lang ako kaya ako nandito. Eh. Alam nyo, tinulak lang kasi ako nung, ano, eh, nung, nung isang leader natin kaya ako, eh, ano, pero hindi talaga ako sigurado why I'm here. How would you feel? Right? There must be uh, that internal confirmation that the Lord is calling you to, to, to proclaim the good news. But, but it must uh, not remain uh, internal only. It must be coupled with an external confirmation. Another uh, credible group of people, in our case, the elders, our council, who has the authority and the capacity 
to affirm one's internal calling. Kasi hindi pwedeng sasabihin lang nung you know, a newcomer and says, you know, I have been called by God to preach the good news to you. Please listen to me. You know, we, we need to have leaders in place to say, yes, we vouch for you. We agree that the Lord has called you to preach the good news. And that's what happened to, to Apostle Paul. Remember in Acts 16, ito yung actually, ito yung, ito yung internal calling sa kanya to go to Macedonia, so meaning uh, Philippi and, and uh, Thessalonica. Uh, in Acts 16, Paul had a vision from God of a man from Macedonia who's crying out saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So ito yung internal calling and, and Paul responded to that. But you know, in the, in the chapter previous to that, in Acts 15, we see the Jerusalem Council commissioning Paul along with him, Silas, which is the co-writer of this uh, letter, uh, to be missionaries to the Gentile regions. So you see an external affirmation, a, a, a commissioning of sort, and an internal uh, calling from God to, to do what he set out to do for his people. So uh, a preacher must have that conviction, both internal and external. Uh, and you know, in, in our setting, that uh, public affirmation uh, are coming from credible church leaders Uh, to, to solidify the conviction of a, a faithful one to preach the good news. So number uh, C number one is courage, conviction. Number three, credibility. Credibility. Verse five, for we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, where from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Verse 9. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, labor and toil, we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You know, Apostle Paul in Thessalonica was a, a bivocational preacher. He preached and then he worked. And credibility asks that question. Am I someone that can be trusted? A am I here to take advantage of people? Or am I someone who is trustworthy? And in our text, it seems like Paul has a definitive answer to that. That God is witness of what's happening from within, and the people are witnesses on, on what is happening with their hands. God was looking at their hearts while the people see the work of their hands and their conduct. You are witnesses, sabi dun sa verse 10. And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Number four. So we have courage, conviction, credibility. Number four, care. A preacher must have the standard of caring for the flock. Verse seven, but we were gentle among you 
like a nursing mother. Pay attention to the uh, analogy. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only what we're preaching, but also ourselves because you have become very dear to us. Verse 11 and 12. For you now know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So, sa church pala, you know, we can experience parental care from our preachers. They are not just uh, giving out words of encouragement or sometimes information or rebuke or theology. They are caring for the flock like a mother would to her child, like a father would in guiding his child. And I hope that's, that's our experience, that we experience parental care in the local church. And because it's, it's Mother's Day today, uh, we're celebrating the moms and uh, we want to honor the moms. And you know, there are many, many people who never experienced that uh, care from, from mothers. Some, some people are missing their moms because uh, their mothers are no longer with us today. Uh, some people never met their moms. And so I pray that the church will bridge that gap and they will experience the care of a mother. They will experience the guidance of a father uh, in the local church. So this is the difference. This is the difference of a local church pastor. And this is where you know, I will be bold enough to say uh, the local church pastors, the, the, the pastors who are preaching in our churches today, are better than the ones you read books about are better than those who've uh, you know, spoken in conferences, those who have worldwide following. Yes, you know, I, I read a lot of Tim Keller. I watch a lot of John Piper. Uh, I, I share to the guys that I'm reading this uh, devotional book by Paul David Tripp, and, and I love uh, reading from them. But what they only do is impart wisdom on me. They cannot care for me like my pastor. You know, pastors are not just event managers of Sunday gatherings or prayer meetings or small group fellowship. They are called by God, affirmed by the church to care for every, every flock like a mother cares for her child and like a father who lovingly guides his child. So, again, like I started this section, parang ang self-serving naman ni Paul to, to say these things. And uh, it, it honestly feels uncomfortable uh, kasi parang nagbubuhat ng bangko for a, for a preacher to say these things. So, why would Paul even, you know, mention these things? Is he bragging about, you know, about himself, about his uh, uh, conviction and credibility and care and, and courage? You know, by writing these things, he's, he's making a really important point that their coming to Thessalonica was not motivated by selfish gain. 
unlike the philosophers of their time, the teachers in their region, they did not proclaim God's word to gain followers. Hindi sila gumagawa ng Pauline group or ng Silas group or ng uh, group for just like you know uh, followers of Plato, uh, followers of Aristotle. They are not doing that. They are compelled, you know, they were compelled by the love of God to, to bring this good news everywhere and not to just build a popularity, uh, gain popularity or legacy. So Paul and Silas and T- Timothy and the fellow missionaries went to Thessalonica not to take advantage of them, but to give themselves to them. By having these standards, we will prevent abuse and misuse of authority uh, in in our pulpits today. And you know, it it saddens me that the church is no longer uh, an exception for these kinds of abuse and misuse. Uh, it's it's becoming. Uh, a, a usual thing to hear uh, s- scandals and problems within the church. And so when we have uh, these uh, standards, we're hoping that it will prevent abuse and misuse uh, of authority to those who proclaim the good news. So I have a, you know practical uh, applications for, for us regarding this. I was thinking about high standards uh, for preachers, number one, would you would you pray with me that that I will uh, that I will grow uh, into these standards? Would you pray uh, for me that I will desire to grow in my care for the flock, that I will be credible, that I will be courageous through difficult times, that I will. Uh, be reminded of my conviction, my internal calling, and the affirmation of those who sent me here. Request number two, would you lovingly call me out when you notice something that is questionable uh, with what I preach or with what you see in in my actions? And when we train uh, people to be elders in this church plant, would you pray with me that we will look at these standards as the you know the the guiding principle on when we see at uh, see leaders, not because of their success in you know in in different fields or their their talent. Those are good things, um, and the Lord will use them. But we will look at these four uh, characteristics as the standards. To, to see uh, and, and place uh, leaders uh, in our church. And for visitors here, if you are part of a local church uh, or if you are looking for a church, would you pray for your pastor that he will grow in these areas? And if you don't consider yourself as a part of a local church, if you are joining um, uh, churches, would you consider looking at these standards uh, in your leader and encourage him 
and pray for him that he will also grow in these areas. Right, so number one, we have a high view of the scripture. And then we expect high standards to those who proclaim it. But does that make it easy for us to follow what the Bible says? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Which leads us to our third point. Our third point. We must accept the high cost of following the scripture. We must accept the high cost of following the scripture. You know, if, if following the Bible was easy, I would not be preaching about it, right? When the Thessalonians received the gospel as message from God, it did not magically make their lives better. In fact, quite the opposite. Look at verse 14 of our text, 1 Thessalonians 2, 14. For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both Lord Jesus Christ and the prophets who drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind. When they accepted the gospel, it made their lives even worse. You know, there's a high cost in following the Bible because, number one, the world in its current sinful nature from that time until today opposes what the Bible claims. The world does not give you an applause or a thumbs up for following the scriptures. In fact, quite the opposite ang nangyayari. When you follow the scripture, uh, people will say you are narrow-minded, you're bigoted, and you're unloving. You know, Jesus even confirms that that the world will hate you because of me. Number two reason, while we are considered, yes, we are God's sheep, we are still sheep that's prone to wonder. We, we get lost. We, we prone to leave our shepherd. And because we are still in our sinful nature, there will always be a struggle to follow the scripture. So I would even say that if there is no struggle, I would even say that if the world is not opposed against you, maybe uh, you should be worried. You should be worried if you don't experience this opposition in your life. But more than our sinful nature, or, you know, the brokenness of our world, there is a high cost in following the scripture because its author, God himself, has a very high standards, very high demand for his people. And yung high demand niya that we see in the Bible for his people. Because he is holy, he demands holiness for his people. That's just right. Because he is holy, 
He can demand holiness because he is ruler, creator, and king. He demands complete allegiance and obedience because he is righteous. He demands perfect judgment to those who disobey him. And because he is also merciful and loving, he will not reject those who turn to him in repentance and faith. That's the, that's the, you know, the high demand of God throughout the scripture. This is consistent from Genesis to Revelation. So, Pastor, parang hindi naman encouraging yung, yung sumunod sa scripture. Parang, parang lalong bumibigat. It, it makes reading the Bible even more burdensome. How, how can I be inspired to follow what the Bible says when the demands are just too high? What you're talking about, parang similar lang ang scripture to any other religious writing telling me to do this and do this and do this so I can uh, you know, achieve those high demands so I can accomplish and, and be made right in God. Where is the comfort in that, Pastor? Uh, I hope you find uh, comfort in these four words. It's not about you. It's not about you. The scripture is not about you. If you approach the scripture with a self-centered view, with looking at you know, list of things to do and not do so you can be made right with God, you will either end up frustrated or proud. You will be frustrated because you know you cannot reach them. Or you will be proud because you might reach maybe 50% to 60% of it. Instead of making the Bible about you and me, how about we see the Bible the way it was intended to be seen. Look at John chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. This is a bold claim. It is they, the scripture, that bear witness about me. The scripture is not about you. It's about the Son of God. The stories, the flow, the high demands of the scripture, the, the prophecies, all point to Christ. What that means, my bro brothers and sisters, what that means is that the perfect and holy life of Jesus satisfies the demands of the Bible for that complete holy, righteous living. So Jesus lived the life that you cannot live. What that means is the complete obedience of Jesus when he followed uh, the, the commands uh, of his father, it satisfied the demands of perfect obedience. And his obedience to the father led him to the cross. But that means also that the sacrifice of Jesus satisfies the perfect judgment of God because he is righteous. It satisfies the perfect judgment of God. His, his death on the cross, Jesus' death on the cross, satisfies that wrath of God for our disobedience. He paid 
the penalty for our sin. And in Christ, because he lived the life that we cannot live, because he completely obeyed the Father, because he paid the penalty of our sin, we receive mercy and grace from God. He satisfies the demands of the scripture on our behalf. And that, my friends, is the value of searching and following the scripture, even though it is difficult. That's the value of opening your Bible and following what it says and believing what it says about you and me, that we are sinners saved by grace. Because by opening our scripture, we see our Savior clearer and clearer, and we understand the Savior, and our affections are turned towards Him and closer and closer. So until we see that Christ is the fulfillment of the high demands of the Scripture, it will never give us real and complete and lasting comfort. But if we see Christ as the, the main point of our scripture, then we can look at it as our source of hope and comfort and allow it to shape our lives today. In difficult times of our lives, we believe what it says because it is the message of God. We believe what it says because Jesus Christ is both the message and the ultimate proclaimer of the gospel in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that you have uh, given us. We have in our hands your words. We have in our heart the word that became flesh. We have with us the spirit that gives life to these words. And so I pray, Lord, that we will have a high view of uh, the scripture, that we will uh, pray for our leaders, that they will you know, grow into these standards in proclaiming the good news, that that will uh, protect our churches and that will help our churches flourish with leaders as well. But ultimately, Lord God, allow us to see the scripture as what it really is. It points to your son who lived the life that we cannot live, who completely obeyed you until the cross, who was raised uh, on the third day, paying for our sins, and in him we receive mercy and grace. I pray, Lord, that as we open the scripture, we see our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.